Shut up and sit down. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Tonight's topic is a quantum drift. Um, these are a series of podcasts that we designed specifically for the quantum bang. And tonight we're going to talk about John Shepard saving the life of Marshall Sumner um, and how this fix it would ripple out through the entire SGA canon. It's a big one, mm-hmm. it's huge. In fact, honestly, out of all the things that you can do without time travel, saving Marshall, um, saving Marshall Sumner's life is like one of the biggest things you can do in SGA t- to change the entire um, series. Yeah, I agree. It, it's, it has such a big impact. And it's been kind of on my brain lately since... Um, Check Cat. Yes, and also we've talked about it in the context of just kind of obliquely in the context yeah. of other quadros, is is that so? I just it just was. We were it's been on talking. brain for a while. Yeah. Well, what would you do first? What's the what impact? Well, okay. First, how does Mar- um, How does John save Marshall? Does he keep him from getting cold at all? Hmm. Or does he get him from the ship before the queen can feed on him? You're breathing on your mic, so you might want to pull it off your mouth a little bit. Yeah, I just moved up. Um, well, I mean, certainly the most straightforward, I think the most straightforward place to do that is to just have, you know, John say, is is to have John over, kind of like some of the stuff we talked about last night, which is just have John overrule Elizabeth and um, get Sumner sooner and ca- stop him from being cold. I mean, that's the easiest, you know, place to, to make to make a change and then figure out how it ripples out. So but the 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 change would have to be that John decides he's not going to sit on it and let her debate about it. Um I don't even know why it was a debate to begin with. I right? That's just like that's the how was terrible, it even the question? Terrible writing. Terrible even from an operational security perspective, how was it even a question? Right, because they couldn't afford to leave him in the hands of the enemy. I mean, come on. And it wasn't just him. Yeah. He wasn't the only member of the team that got... Um, he was just the only one, I think, that died. But he wasn't the only member of... Um, expedition member who was cold, right? It was Bates. No. Um, and I don't think it... I thought it was just Bates and him. Maybe the, Maybe somebody unnamed... I think there were more people. I just don't think they focused on anybody else. Well, Sumner volunteered. Yeah. To go with the Wraith. When they were were in that cell. But what if John stopped him from getting cold from the planet? I like that. Like John gets there in time to. I think it might him that he might end up getting cold himself. Yeah. And Sumner wouldn't even have a conversation with Weir about whether or not there was going to be a rescue mission. But the problem is, is that John's the one that flew the jumper. Is there, a, is there another pilot on the city with the ancient gene, that confidence that they could sit down on an ancient alien craft and get it to move 
quick enough to be useful. Well, the only person who is not just it's not just piloting skills, and it's not just the ATA gene; it's both plus confidence. Well, the only person who seemed to be even, and he died, was Markham. That was later, right? He was clearly a competent and confident pilot, but but it was not clear that he would have been at that point in time. Right. He might have been taught later. Yeah. Did he have the gene, or was he given the gene? I think he was one of the natural carriers, wasn't he? Uh, I could be wrong about he that. He is in my I, head canon, but I don't remember the actual canon. You want us to remember actual canon? What the heck? Right. Are? Well, we have a lot of Stargate experts in the chat room. We expect we expect assistance. What I would say is that you need to give Marshall Sumner a wake up call. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in the way I deal, and see, the thing is, whatever the rescue method is, or whatever the prep, how you save him, whatever that is, whether it's through calling, is I would want Sumner to get a new impression of John in the process. So Which is why could, I'd probably have him called, and John yeah. gets there a little bit faster because it creates a situation where Marshall is forced to deal, um, and maybe ask some questions like, "Hey, you know, why don't you tell me what happened in Afghanistan?" Well, do we know if Sumner had the gene? Is that addressed in canon in any way, even in a even in a moderate fashion, like even a or even a mild expression of it? Because it could be that John's a more natural pilot. Sumner can maybe barely manage with ancient technology, but he could be. Um, but he's certainly got the confidence to take over the jumper if he needs to. I don't think it's ever said. I mean, I think I would make him at least somebody who could get the therapy. In fact, I did in Ties That Vine because he flew a jumper. But the light's not coming on until John walked through the gate could just be an expression of how strong his gene is. Um, you could, you know, you could write it that, I don't, and without it being any kind of contradiction, that I think maybe a few people have very minor expressions of the gene capable of at least connecting with ancient technology, even if the city doesn't maybe really recognize them as being okay. as close to ancient as John. Dart says that Miko probably could. See, the thing is, is the Miko in canon and the Miko in Fanon are two entirely different animals. Um, number one, there's never any confirmation that Miko and Dr. Kasanji are actually the same person. Kusanagi, ever how you say it? How you say it? I say Kusanagi, but... Kusanagi. Um, there's never any indication that they're actually the same person. Um, that being said... Um, Miko in canon was very timid and prone to bowing to McKay before she would leave a room. So, no. I mean, she's a little bit of a blank slate because we don't know much about her, but I would tend to write her as coming more into her own through the course of the expedition. Um, I wrote her in one story as basically hiding early on, that, you know, she was disguising... Or you know, holding back because she doesn't want her her country to know how competent she is, how good she is, because she wouldn't be able to stay in the Stargate program. That would be but, that would be an issue. So I think that she, you can do stuff with her, but just having her right, you know, in that first episode, be a stone cold badass right there, I, it reads to me would read a little bit contrived. You'd have to do some more with her earlier like have her have some conversations with you know yes i think you have to expose a little bit more about her to have her be a lot of people came into their into their own oh you know in the show right you know they could have easily rodney grew um 
Uh, Rodney grew a lot during the course of the, the, the first season. So it's reasonable that every character would have some level of growth or even regression. <laughs> some people might not deal well with being in the fire, in the line of fire or being in a, you know, stuck in a galaxy where they can't get back home and finding out that they're a primary food source. So right? I mean, that food source thing alone, that would trip a lot of people up. And uh, so people I think could either shine. Um, and so Miko is somebody I think you could easily write as coming into their own and becoming a very strong and assertive personality over that course of the year, much the way Rodney shook off his insecurities and his fears and really stepped up to the plate. But I just don't think it's like right the minute they walk through the gate. So I don't see her being able to like just take the jumper and fire rescue mission. Uh, yeah, you could start a fix it or a canon divergence before they even left for Atlantis, but that wouldn't be my sweet spot. For me, it, I need them to be on Atlantis. Now you can change. I think you can change a few minor things in the background and make mention of them so the reader understands what you changed. But um, you know. Like you can have like a comment to just kind of like tease the reader about something like, you know, a month before their 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 departure, you know, they started doing extra off-world drills. Or, um, yeah, it's just it's diff it's difficult for me with a Star Stargate story if I'm going to be focusing on, you know, especially if I'm going to have Sumner in in there, to not want to get the things a little bit better before they departed. But I wouldn't actually want to write all that stuff on screen. So I think I'd want like a minor divergence point prior to the departure where either Sumner took a closer look at things or he had a little bit of a different realization about things or I want to kind of just tweak him a little bit because he was, he was way too accepting of going out um, into the, to the, you know, into the black without having any idea how they were going to get home with a bunch of people who couldn't even fire a gun. Right. That always bothered me. He's a Marine, right? So an element of a fix-it, I think you could tweak some of those things and give him a moment where you know, maybe he said, I, I do like the idea that Sumner was a replacement for whoever was originally on that expedition. I like that idea a lot. And I don't think that contradicts canon in any kind of meaningful way. Um, but Sumner could have had a moment where he just went, you know, I am having the IOA is being forced, forcing us to bend to Elizabeth Weir's wishes on so many things, General. But these civilians need to be better trained, or we need to do some off-world activities with the people who've never been off-world, or there needs to be something different. We're screwed, sir. <laughs> Dark, are you saying that's canon? No, I think she's throwing out. Oh, a second idea. Oh, okay. Alternates. Okay. Um, so you could have, um, I think I, cause usually if I'm going to do in a, in a kind of fix it, that are supposed to be with in the quantum bang is supposed to be kind of entrenched in Canon on one side of the thing or the other. Right. Um, I try not to change too much about Canon. So that's why I wouldn't like just change a lot of background details that are like a direct contradiction to Canon. But I think like you could do a minor thing a minor point of divergence where Sumner just puts his foot down and goes, yes, I will take this expedition, but I need some concessions here. I need the civilians to all be qualified to, to handle a handgun, or I need, you know, I need, I need something more. I need a couple more officers. This doesn't work. I can't go out there with the only officer I have aside from the light switch being, you know, the Marine Lieutenant who has almost no experience. That doesn't work. So I think that, 
Uh, you know, honestly, uh, a man of experience would be asking why the light switch wasn't in his chain of command. Yes. What would be really interesting is if you did a minor canon, <laughs> minor, um, divergence point for John Shepard and have him be in the Marines instead of in the Air Force. So when he gets slotted into Marshall Sumner's command, yeah, minor, um, he's he's not an Air Force pilot. He's a Marine Special Ops pilot. Mm. <laughs> no, he wouldn't be an entirely different person. I mean... I'll say the you know the funny thing about with, with canon divergence versus a fix it, um, at least for the purpose of the quantum bang, I would say fix it's a little bit more relaxed than a strict canon divergence AU. Um, we have talked about now there are there are people who some people who consider a fix it to be a coffee shop AU, you know, which but, is I don't agree. I don't agree either, but you know, because this is fandom and there are some liberal definitions, we have defined fixits for the purpose of the, the quantum bang because of the quantum angle, which is exploring ripples is there's no ripples to explore if you don't have canon. So there has to be some kind of canon thing happening. Um, but you can, but with a fix it, as opposed to a canon divergence, you can alter some things uh, that, leave canon events intact basically the plot events as opposed to the character events so as long as the plot events aren't disturbed that much it's where you're disturbing the plot events that you're strictly you're moving off into before you before your point of you know um the reason that john wouldn't be an entirely different person coming into stargate command as a marine instead of an air force officer um he was a fully actualized person when he joined the military i mean he didn't he didn't this, this isn't a change from infancy this is a change 18 19 maybe even 20 years old depending on whether or not he entered with a degree or not whether he did rotc so he could have still been in combat in afghanistan he could have still ended up in at mcmurdo um chilling uh Superfly or not, if he disobeyed orders, he'd still have a black mark. He might even have a harder time in the Marines having disobeyed orders. The thing is, is that I've written John as a Marine. And I would challenge anybody to tell me that I didn't write John Shepard. Because John is a Marine in Ties That Bind. He's a Marine in um, Hold My Coffee. Uh, I wrote him as a Marine in Atlantis Codex. I think that's the only time I've done that, though. But I've also written him as a full-on civilian. And I don't think he's substantively all that different. Now, I've had an AU where he actually left um, Navy service because of McKay. Um, he was a Navy SEAL. You've um, got a story where he went and joined the Royal Canadian Air Force so he could bang McKay. You know. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> That, I, I can never remember the title of that because the working title is, you know, Big Gay Love in Canada. Word. Yeah, big, well, I don't know. If, I don't remember what the actual title is. So, Me neither. Me neither, because that was my working title for so long, and it remains my working title. He is a little different, but he's still John Shepard. So, you can twist a character, you can turn a character just a little bit, but 
that turn doesn't make them fundamentally a different person or a different character. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that I captured, I mean, I wrote Tony as different as you can possibly write him in, in uh subversive, which was the werewolf, you know, alpha omega thing, AU that for the whole new world thing, which is on mm-hmm. EAD. I heard him as different with as different a background as different as circumstances as you could possibly get. And I think I still captured the essence of the character. He quotes Dr. Seuss instead of movies, but. Yeah. Um, John does leave the United States air force and go to Canada to get his PhD. Um, in Big Lake, I'm um, um, gay love in Canada. I thought he joined the Royal Canadian Air Force in that one. Not in that one, no. Oh, it's a different one? Okay. I do have another one, yeah, that's a plot bunny that I didn't even realize you had seen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> maybe, maybe I just talked about it to you. I don't know. But um, that uh, he, uh, early on in the expedition, Caldwell reports him for being gay. Um, and he responds by. Um, resigning his commission and joining the Canadian air force and the IOA put him back in charge of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar in its entirety. So maybe you just talked to me about it. Hmm. That's terrible. If I talked about your plot bunny, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really thought it was big gay love in Canada. So I guess I was conflating your ideas. Mm, could be. I'm not a fake tease. I haven't talked about a single story that's not available not finished but they're available because uh, the ones i've talked about have been are they're all on ead i do maybe i did share the scene where caldwell finds out that shepherd has is is coming back to atlantis and he's joined he, he's in the canadian royal air force and he's like how the hell did he become a canadian citizen married a canadian it takes a while <laughs> rodney's all smirky well i took care of that <laughs> so if we're saving sumner no, it's not on EAD. I think it might have been like a, like a Facebook excerpt at one time or something. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Um, so saving Sumner, I do like. But I, I think if you're doing like from the pur- for purposes of quantum, you can um, tweak you know character and stuff that will help your plot that that doesn't actually touch the canon events um, prior to your after, you know up to the point of your where you're taking off so um but there are other approaches to this as well where like we've talked about that you could have you know like a wraith the wraith come to earth and cull it and john and rodney travel back in time um use that as your your device your catalyst for time travel because none of that's canon right but then they go back in time and fix the expedition so the fix is actually for the expedition. You're just using a catalyst that has nothing to do with canon. So, but I mean, there's like different approaches to this kind of thing. So it all depends upon what you're trying to fix, and uh, what what you know whether you're you're making your departure point from canon, or whether you're making your um, change your your ripples your your fix is going to help canon. So anyway, that's a different discussion. But um, so how do you think it would help to have John be a marine? Do you think that would so I think Sumner would be harder on him. I mean, he's dismissive of John because John is Air Force. But I think if John were a Marine... But he might be, be inclined to listen to a fellow Marine and get the story. He might already True. know the story. If an officer of some rank in Afghanistan defied orders because he was ordered not to rescue his own team, then I don't think they'd be able to keep that quiet. I'm honestly surprised the Air Force was able to keep it quiet. 
Um, it always felt like there was something going on with that. You know, it like, seemed shady. It did seem shady. Because I could see John getting a black mark, but that in that particular situation, at least most of his peers or his subordinates would think highly of him for what happened. And probably most of his superiors as well. But I don't know. So it's really odd that it was just so covered up. I had one. Um, I have one story where it got, it happened because the officer in charge of the mission was um, punishing um, John for not bending over and he got john's team killed he was trying to get john killed too it's in the reckoning which is available on ead and i handled it differently in ties that bind because of social politics it was easy to kind of you know finagle those events but in canon the events are really shady yeah it is it is it's it, it's just it's checked me so you, but the one of the that helps a fan fiction writer in this kind of circumstance because you can you can make that be what you want it to be, basically, as long as you don't outright contradict it. So you could fill in the blanks. You can have it be covered up. You know, I mean, that and that could be a really powerful moment between John and, and Sumner is if it's really been, like, blacked out for no good reason, maybe. Um, like, maybe it was done as a favor. Um, to the superior officer who fucked up. Right, that you know, somebody in power like blacked out John, blacked out the, made the event classified, um, so that they couldn't, people couldn't read about what happened. So it just as a favor to the guy who actually fucked up, who refused to go rescue his men. Um, so there's some things I think you could do with that. And in that, if I was doing it in that particular case where there was like corruption up the chain of command kind of thing, which to me that is kind of doing those kinds of favors at somebody else's expense is kind of a form of corruption. Um, I was, I'd keep them in the Air Force because, you know, um, in my, I don't, I don't ever have cause to use the Commandant of the Marine Corps in my stories, but, you know, I've totally adopted Rampart as <laughs> and, the Commandant and, and may of, have him. of the Marine Corps. So, it, you know, like in, you know, even in my NCIS stories, he's the Commandant of the Marine Corps. So he's always the Commandant of the Marine Corps in my stories in Stargate, whether he shows up or not. You can right. you can damn guarantee that 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 Randolph Rampart is is lingering in the background, looking at all this shit, going, "I fucking see you, Landry." Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, because um, I've never I've never used him in a story, but you know I've I've adopted him as my headcanon. So, and even in the NCIS universe, I've adopted him as my headcanon as the commandant of the Marine Corps. I would love to see a scene where, where um, Rampart told Gibbs to get fucked. <laughs> I should give that's, you your wish. That's completely id right there. That is all id. I should totally give you your wish. Id fic. So, okay. So what happens? Um, Marshall... Say John saves Marshall Sumner from the wraith. They get back to the city. What happens? Well, which way are you going? Are you? I don't, actually, I don't even know which one of us is plotting right now. We're, we're co-plotting. <laughs> are we going the? Or are you going? Or I going the direction of? He saves him from the culling beam, or he goes and gets. He saves him after after Sumner's been culled. I would like Sumner to face that queen. Okay, I like that idea better too. So he needs so a wake Sumner up call. Yeah. So Sumner faces the queen. Sumner gets cold. So we stick with canon events and John overrules Elizabeth. I, actually, you know, that could be like, 
And Sumner could realize that John took his career in his hands there because he basically, Sumner may not know the, t the story, but when, when John said, no, you are not going to not go rescue these people. And he overruled her. Um, and I think John would immediately have the Marines on his side on that. You know, that their, their, their CO is out there. They're going to go get him. Well, the thing is, is that John is the ranking officer on the city and they are not, they are in a situation where where a severe threat to the expedition is in progress, which means she's not supposed to be in charge to begin with. I agree. So I think that I think that there'd be no chance that he wouldn't be able to take control. So he would go get Sumner, bring him back, and then once everything got settled down, because they'd have to get things settled down, Elizabeth would be pissed off. I think Sumner pulled him aside, said, "I want to talk," and um. At some once Sumner gets the whole story about what happened with John and why he has that black mark and why it's blacked out. Because I would imagine John knows why it's blacked out. Um, I think he was probably sent to um, Antarctica with the instructions um, that uh, you need to cool down, calm down, and shut the fuck up. Yeah. So John explains what's going on and Sumner realizes that, you know, he's alive because this is the way John is. This is John's personality, right? This is, this is John's, this is what John values. He values uh, the, the lives of the people that he's with and that, that John's, that, that what the tanked John's career affected his promotion path or whatever is the same value that has kept Marshall Sumner alive. And I think it would really change his perspective on John. And really, in a lot of ways, um, had Marshall Sumner lived, Jack O'Neill gave him um, an XO that he could really fucking depend on to go right to the wall for him every time. But because Elizabeth Weir had to have an opinion about a military situation that was none of her damn business, Marshall Sumner died. I do I believe that the delay is the reason that he died. Oh, and definitely. also, John should have taken a headshot. She'd have had a hard time healing a headshot. I don't think she wanted Sumner rescued at all. Because he was a threat to her power. Yeah. She didn't care about operational security. She never did. That's evident in canon. She just gave those IDC devices out to their trading partners. Who does that? They didn't have an alpha site. Because they could have given those people communication devices like you can talk to us through the gate but do not attempt to come through when you contact us until we tell you it's okay but giving them actual idc codes for the gate is crazy cakes because if they hadn't had one the janai never could have gotten into the city ever and if there had been if there'd been an alpha site that people had to go through and maybe somebody on the site who had to you have a, a marine who's responsible for doing all the dialing directly to Atlantis if the Jedi try to come through and force them to you know dial dial Atlantis they're not going to do it they're going to be like no I'm not doing it I did that in Revenant they have an alpha site and then they also in the case of their if they're having trading partners come to the alpha site they also need like a beta site that nobody knows about the feeding sacks, the um, the enzyme sacks are in the neck. Um, the fact of the matter is, is there is no reason why he should miss the headshot at that distance. She's not moving around. Her arrogant he... ass is standing there. There's no reason he didn't take a headshot in in canon. He should have. So I'm, you know, and I'd like that. I like the the headshot to happen right at a critical moment. Like she, like maybe Sumner seen somebody be fed on. He knows it's about to happen to him. She's 
lifting her hand and John shoots her. You know, let it be. I want, I'd want it to be that close because I want Sumner to have experienced the wraith. I want you know, you want him to understand the level of the threat. Um, that it's not just abstract, right? Like he's he's not just sitting in a cell when John comes in, and then when he when he hears about you know that it was it was down to the second for him, and when he hears that John still had to waste several minutes resting control away from Elizabeth, you know, because that that still is going to take it, Elizabeth disagreeing. And John forcing John to, you know, tell, you know, call the Marines and then, you know, enforce the expedition charter and take command is still going to waste time. Not as much time, but it still wastes time. So he could realize that if John hadn't done that, if John had waited for Elizabeth to make up her mind, that he would definitely have been dead. So I'd want to, I'd want to align events so that Sumner realizes that Elizabeth Weir in charge would have killed him. I want him to have I think that, that the fact is, is that they cannot leave the queen alive. So, um, I agree. Queen, headshot. Headshot. He should have taken the headshot and cannon. Yeah. And so, since it's my head cannon that John's a good shot, um, if, if he knows what's about to happen to Sumner, I think he'd take the most deadly shot he could. Cause that's, I think in canon, he should have taken the headshot, but I think he could have taken the fastest shot he could have just to get her, try to get her away from Sumner. Someone says that, that Elizabeth could have Bates arrest John coming out of the jumper. That doesn't make any sense. Bates isn't going to arrest his acting CO in a situation where he knows that John was in the right. I think a lot of times Fannin writes Bates as a bully, but Bates was just by the book. Yeah, he really was. But actually, yeah, Bates was was actually on the Hive ship, so it wouldn't be Bates anyway. But um, but Bates, Bates was not a bully, and often in Fanon he gets treated that way. Bates was just a really strict by the book Marine, and he was responsible for base security. That was his role, and and we're so it so would probably be Stackhouse left on the city as the NCO at the time, probably. But, but there's an, there's another lieutenant that dies during the. Um, nanite thing. Yeah, I'd have to re rewatch or double check the 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 the, uh, the wikis to see who all's there. But yeah, it would probably be Stackhouse or Markham or something that were. But Bates was not wrong at all to have had issues with Taylor. I I never. I mean, obviously they were trying to position him as like an antagonist in those episodes, you know, and he was because some he was more an obstacle, right? But he was, but he was also his, right. She was, was a security his, threat, although yes. she didn't know it. But even if she had, even without the, even if the pendant hadn't been an issue, she still is not part of their expedition. Right. And when they start having issues, of course, the security officer is going to look first, the people who don't, who don't, who aren't part of the expedition, who haven't been vetted. And there's been no way to vet her. So I never had issue with the, with, with Bates having a problem with Taylor. It was actually illogical that he was the only one. Yeah. That everybody acted like he was unreasonable was just bizarre. Well, no. The queen did not wake them up herself. Her death woke them up. So, the moment the queen dies, the, she's the keeper. That whole hive group wakes up. But I think one of the things in canon that was not really fully expressed that should have been was that not all the wraith were sleeping to begin with. Because Ronan's planet was called to extinction during this so-called hibernation. So they were really hibernating in shifts 
But when John killed the keeper, they all woke up. Yeah. I mean, if I were writing a fix it for the first season of Stargate Atlantis, it is one of those things where I'd have to rewatch a few key episodes, even though I've seen the first season several times, just to be sure that I got some of those details right. Um, because the keeper's I, job was to keep the hibernating hives safe. So her death triggered them all to wake up. So I think, I think this, I mean, I would tell a lot of the story, if not all of it from Sumner's point of view. Um, if you've not read Trek Cat's story in, written in Sumner's point of view, natural selection, you really should. That was some gorgeous shit. Uh, what? <laughs> it's, it's in the podcast link library. Um, I, I, I didn't ship it, but I do now. Uh, I mean, make sure I'll go down with McKay Shepard, but that was gorgeous. Yeah. And truly. also I'm kind of mad that I didn't get any bonding sex out of it, but you know, I can, I can well, she I have was an right imagination. Up, she was right up against the word limit. So I, you know, I forgive her. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, get it. I, uh, so the first big thing that happens, I think that would be, you know, that this is all interesting, but the first big thing that I think would happen that would really satisfy my id is the confrontation between Weir and Sumner because she's going to arrogantly assume that Sumner Sumner's back on the city, that she's back in charge. And she's probably, I think that's what would happen is that she would demand that John be disciplined for um, taking over. And there'd be a big confrontation between Sumner and Elizabeth where he sets her you straight. You want me to put J Shepard in the brig for saving my life. Are you serious right now? She's like, well, I'm at the head of this expedition. Actually, you're not. You're not even in charge of the sciences. You are sort of the city administrator in a very administrator only kind of way, because that's what the expedition charter says. And honestly, so, that's just busy work. Yeah, it is just busy work. So, you know, um, oh, they never tell us how many hives she had. She was keeping all that ever gets said was that all the race woke up in response to her death. So it could have been like a domino effect. Like there might have been multiple keepers and her death woke up her entire hive group, ever how big that was. And the other keepers responded to them waking up and woke up too and, and woke up their hives. Like, you know, just like it was just like a domino effect throughout the galaxy. But, but it's it never could, really. But it could be. It could, it could be that. And this actually, to me, makes more sense that the statement that it woke all the wraith is it could be it woke all the wraiths in her hive group, not all the wraith, all the wraith. Because if it had really woken all of them all at once, I think Pegasus would have been doomed. Because they'd have all woken up hungry, millions of wraiths, with relatively limited food for that amount of people. We also know they weren't all asleep to begin with, so... Right. So I think that you could take the statement and put it into perspective that all the wraith means all the wraith in her group or, you know, whatever. And that just could have been their sector of the galaxy because Pegasus is quite large. So I think that I think that's the way I would play it, because all the wraith is is sounds it's it's a little bit of an, we do such know a, that their threat. breeding world was awake. Yeah. And they were actively breeding, preparing for something, I guess. The new feeding grounds. Yeah. Because that she did tell her group, um, all the wraiths that she woke up, she did tell them about new feeding grounds. They didn't know where they were, but they were all looking for them. 
And she got that from Sumner. I do think, um, I have a bit of a problem with this plot. Okay. Not the beginning. I think the setup's good. But honestly, I guess partially, I, I blame Trap Cat Tra- for my head problem right now. Is I would kind of want to write Sumner Shepard, but it doesn't make sense with Shepard as a subordinate. No, it would be abusive. Yeah, so. Especially with John coming out of a situation where he was so mistreated by a different um, commanding officer. Uh, John needs a commanding officer that he trusts. One yeah. that isn't looking to get in his pants. So I got to get that out of my head. <laughs> because it doesn't work. Um, but you could do an epic bromance. Just like. Go on. But I'm telling you, I'm really thinking about one of my July stories might be this pairing. Um, next year. I'm like pondering that. So I got to get that out of my head. And, you know, following up on what we said last night is if I had started plotting that direction, I pointed it out myself. But if I had started plotting that, I would have accounted on Kira to point out to me that that's a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of gross, honey. (laughs) You know, because really, you know, I mean, outside of circumstances like Sentinel and Guide and maybe even ties at Bond with, you know, dominance and subs having relationships. Soulmate um, AU, that kind of thing. It, would um, it wouldn't be a fix-it, but I could write a soulmate AU. Sumner having a relationship with a, sub- with a subordinate officer is is rife with potential for abuse and consent issues. Well, it's also against the rules in a serious way. Which is why it's against the rules. <laughs> Okay. Beyond fraternization, it's also abusive. I mean, it has the the ability to be quite ugly, and can it can be morale damaging, and you know all that stuff, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, bless his heart, he didn't have a good time. Sumner was a colonel. I don't think his age ever came up, but he was a full bird. Yeah, that is the same actor who played John Doggett in uh, X Files. Um, he probably did outrank. Caldwell and Ellis, which is probably why he was chosen for the expedition. As far as like time and rank goes, I would do. I would if I was planning to write this pairing in the future. I would n- not write a, a fatherly kind of vibe between them. I'd definitely write, like you said, epic bromance because I, you can corrupt your own head cannon. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll never be able to write Tony Genozo Shepherd, and it wasn't even me who did it. <laughs> Other people can corrupt your head cannon too. I stumbled across a um, big, and it's just it's a, it was appalling. I was like, I have to go. I have to, oh god, I have to go. I have to go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are you? It's, as get we your hands off your brother. <laughs> this is not supernatural, John. Get your hand off your brother. <laughs> Sorry, supernatural fans. I will never not poke at that because. That's Look, if up. you didn't want to make it fun of your incest fandom, you wouldn't have had an incest fandom. Yes, he was uh, he was the T-1000, right? Or the- Yes, he was also the Terminator. <laughs> Margaret, you don't have to apologize for those people. You just represent, girl. You just represent. You just make it all better. But yeah, we were talking about a John Shepard Tony story the other day. And somebody, somebody had been wrecked to me. And that's exactly what I said to Kira. John, get your hands off your brother. This is not supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. There are some very talented writers who I know have, have tackled that pairing. 
and I'm not dissing you guys at all. It's just before I even knew that that could even be a pairing, I had written them as brothers, and it's headcanon is headcanon, and sometimes headcanon is really difficult to get over. Yeah, I just but also I'm a McKay Shepard girl for life. I'm gonna go down with that ship. So, um, they can only you know bang other people as like an appetizer or something. Not right, that's course. a OTP for me. I mean, you know. I'm more likely to be able to write different pairings, but with them, but it's a little, I, I'd have to really, really, really want the pairing. Like really want it. And I just haven't really so far run across the pairing that was so tempting to me until Sumner John that, and that was just based on one author doing it so well. Um, I hadn't run across a pairing that I really wanted to interrupt. What was really interesting about that fic was that, you know, Marshall's desire for John was, tangible mm-hmm. it was just like get some <laughs> you could feel his ache and you know he ached with it and it wasn't just about john being a guy but the guy was part of it it was just like he wanted everything john had to give and it was just beautiful yeah it was it was it was a gorgeous story it was gorgeous okay so clear my brain reset the ship um, but yeah, I would go towards a mentor vibe, you know, bros, bros before hoes, bros before science hoes, you know, definitely bros before, you know, Marshall could catch John looking at McKay's ass. Are you seriously wanting to go there? He's an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, but look at that ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that, but that ass though. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's easily the best ass in the SGC. They're both sitting there at a table, feet propped up, looking at Rodney's ass. That's funny. Yeah. And, you know, <sighs> they could, um, Sumner and John could just have a conversation Bonnie, one day. Look, we're out here. We don't know how long we're going to be out here. Um, let's just say don't ask, don't tell applies. No one's going to ask. No one's going to tell. But I'm also going to say that nobody's going to observe. So, you know, just don't do it in the chain of command. We're going to still obey the fraternization rules, but nobody is going to see anything. And then I would have to figure out who I'd want because you have to have, you know, Sumner banging somebody in the science corps. Um, I had him banging um, um, Heitmeyer in um, Revenant. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking that I want to be a man. He's like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get laid. I'm, I'm going to die. I might wind up being rape food out here. I'm just going to fuck who I want. What about Peter Groden? I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. And then he, maybe, you know, and then we'll keep him off that satellite and send Kavanaugh out there so Peter doesn't get blown up. Yeah, they Ron could have like a... Peter definitely got sent to the satellite. Yes. They could they could have a whole Friends of Benefits thing kind of going on. And um, that and John and John and uh, Sumner could just be like off duty and, you know, maybe, maybe Sumner's got his Friends with Benefits thing going on first. And that's what he notices John watching McKay. He's like, really? With all the hot scientists out here, that's where where you're going. And John's like, he'll he's hot, yeah, but he's a dick. I like that. He's a pain in the ass. I like so that I think- as much as I like the dick. <laughs> <laughs> and John could say, "Well, but I like a challenge." And he says, "For fuck's sake, Shepard! For fuck's sake!" That's a little bit too much of a challenge. Marshall goes over to Zelinka's lab, puts it on the um on the bedding pool. Yeah. 
Oh, harsh, dark, harsh. <laughs> oh. So Elizabeth Weir would lose her shit. Oh, yeah. She'd be trying, and she'd probably be trying to, like, foment a rebellion or something back there in the background. We have to take command of the expedition, and the scientists are just looking at her like, with what? What are we taking command of the expedition with, exactly? I can imagine some scientists looking in the background going, look, if we participate in this, we're going to lose out on some dick. And the best dick on the city is in the Marines. So, can we just kind of, like, just leave the room? <laughs> Can we not be involved in this? <laughs> Miko, Miko, Miko could be getting all the marine deck, and she's like, um, <laughs> Dr. Weir, I'm sorry, but you're not cutting off my dick supply in the middle of Pegasus. Well, she could be she could be the spy, right? So she like pretends to go along with it and then goes back and talks to whatever marine she's banging and be like, All right, so Dr. Weir, right now, <laughs> here's her here's her current plan to get control of the expedition. And then the Marine goes and Tell Sumner, I sir, I have another. They report. have like a regular meeting, and like, okay, who um, who has the newest intel on Elizabeth Weir's ridiculous bullshit plan to take over the city? <laughs> she she wants Beckett to engineer a stronger gene so that she can control the city instead of Shepard. And Sumner's going, well, Doctor Beckett's a problem on many levels. He better not be doing any unauthorized research. Actually, Rodney could get be tolerated, right? Tolerated for a little while as part of the plan to let to try to. They're trying to keep tabs on her by letting her think people are sympathetic, and Rodney could be the first person who snaps. He goes, "I can't pretend to put up with her anymore." Do you have any idea how much time I am wasting listening to her ridiculous ideas for how she's going to control the city? Could we I mean, just you know, honestly, it would be ridiculous because the military has the strongest gene carrier. Mm -hmm. Atlantis and would probably be like, "So, John." <laughs> You that know woman from Earth is talking to me again. It makes me really uncomfortable. She's exceeding my boundaries. <laughs> I just, what if, what if, what if one day I want to say Rodney'd be the one who snaps because we know she's just interested in ascension, right? What if it was like Miko or, oh, better yet, one of the Marines like Stackhouse or Markham and Elizabeth is going off? They go, oh, would you just ascend already? Just, just, just <laughs> we, we'd really like to be done with you. So if you could just go ahead and ascend, that would be awesome. And so that could be anytime she gets going, we, people could just start saying to her, would you just ascend already? We just need Where'd to be you done go, with you. Because I'm done. I just, I, I need you to stop. I'm so over you right now. You know, actually what would be really interesting is that um, once she found out that she wouldn't be able to get control, she kind of, um, retreats and starts doing research and she finds that lab that almost killed McKay and she uses it. Are you talking about the nanite lab? No, the one that um, almost made him ascend. The ascension experiment. Oh. And the only reason that he was saved is that Rodney saved himself because he's kind of a renaissance man when it comes to scientists. You know, sciences, right? Well, Weir doesn't have those kinds of um, skills. So she wouldn't be able to save herself. The only thing she would have would be meditation. She would actually literally have to ascend or she would die. Well, but she would want to ascend. Well, she always wants to ascend. The actual accomplishment seems to be the problem. She would have a temporary boost in power, like, you know, physical power, ancient ability. Um, but all she would really learn is that practically everybody in the city hates her guts. <laughs> Well, what if she did ascend and she thinks immediately that 
now I'll be now I'll be in control because she's pissed, right? So she wants to ascend, but she also is mad. And then the one like one of the other ancient one of the other ascended beings shows up and goes, uh uh-uh, you can't interfere. What's the matter with you? Don't you uh-uh. know the rules? Come on, you're out of here now, baby. They drop her naked on a planet. <laughs> That's how she ends up with a Janai. <laughs> Oh yeah, so they keep trying to. The, let's say she disappears. She ascends accidentally. She disappears because the ancients, the ascendants, are like, "No, you can't interfere with this. This is the, you got to follow the rules like the rest of us." But she's such a pain in the ass that they're like, "We're done with you. We are so like done Daniel with you." Daniel Jackson, her ass. Yeah, <laughs> and they run into some other time. It's like, "Hello, Elizabeth. How's ascension going for you? You're looking pretty mortal." Well, the thing is, is that Daniel Jackson didn't know who he was. Yeah, but he got it back eventually. <laughs> Help, I've ascended and I can't get out. <laughs> it's very cracky, but I would like the machine to actually kill her. That keeps Rodney safe, and it gets rid of Weir. There we go. It would be funny if she deascended in the Milky Way. Like if they dropped her on Earth, bare naked, like in the, in the gate room. And then you'll be like, oh, I've, yeah. <laughs> oh, hello, Elizabeth. I think the IOA would have a lot of questions for her. Like, why the hell did you ascend and abandon the expedition? Of course, she'd probably tell a whole bunch of lies about how she, how there was a mutiny and all kinds of shit. Oh, she'd lie, but, it, you know, is it going to do anything for her to lie? It would depend on whether or not the, the letters from Pegasus had come or not. At that point. Because if they already knew what happened to her. Um, and how she went nuts. Um, they She would probably end up in an institution. If she. Because when she drops back down. She's not going to remember anything. That's the ancient MO right? Right. So it could be months. And or. Daniel only or, really tried to get his memories back. Because he was being stimulated by the team. Because they found him. If she's not being prodded, well, well let's say Daniel. Let's take a different, let's put a different spin on that. What if Daniel just like learned too much when he was ascended that they couldn't afford to let him have that information or whatever, and that's why they took his memories. But then maybe the memories he got back was because they kind of like I don't know that that was the way it was designed to do. Is that his memories, the ones that were prodded, that were his of his life. He would be would be allowed to be returned, but they have a complete block on stuff that happened while he was ascended. What if Elizabeth didn't learn anything while she was ascended? She was just a giant pain in the ass, and so they're like, "We don't have any need to block her memories, just because they want her to remember that they dumped her out because she was such a pain." Like, like you know, we don't. You're even, you know, we're a bunch of sanctimonious twats, and you're too much for us. <laughs> we really don't. We don't really don't want you. Are you pain in the butt? Well, they wouldn't look for her because they wouldn't have any reason to think they should if she were ascended. But I like I like the idea of death is just, you know, solves things really nicely, especially when she does it to herself. Right. She was told not to do that. She was told not to trip around in parts of the city she's not supposed to go to. It's ancient. So I think Carson Beckett helps her. Yeah. Which gets him removed from a, a CMO. That's that's the kicker, because. He disobeyed orders from the chief scientist and got a member of the expedition killed. Because I wouldn't want any other gene carrier involved. No, and they let they let Carson continue to function as the CMO, um, not CMO as a doctor, but that he doesn't have any real authority or 
I think there had to be a lot of oversight into his his general, you know, practice. Just like, you know, because I honestly wouldn't trust him to be my doctor. No, I wouldn't either. I think I'd probably stick him in the genetics lab and just let him do pure research with no resources. Like no, you know, like no animals or anything. Just research. Mm-hmm. Theory. Theoretical shit. Um, synthetic. No wraith. Yeah. No wraith enzyme. Although Bug John's very attractive. I mean, not like actual Bug John, but like, you know, having him have leftover stuff. Lots of fun. I don't think Marshall Sumner would have would have been on board with the whole Hoff thing once he realized how dangerous it was. Because it's practically I mean, honestly, it it's really it's real terrible. Yeah, I, I think things would be I'm getting a list of this first season Stargate episodes because I need to look at the events that happened and see how, uh, just in general, how I think things would go differently with Sumner involved. Because operational, anything that was affected by operational security being lax on the city, I think would be different with Sumner in charge. Um, I don't... Yeah, okay. There are more than one Stargate wiki, and one of them's a little easier for me to navigate when it comes to episode information. That, well, I'm on the wrong show. It really helps if you, you know, go to the series information for the right show. Whoa, the whole building's moving. Okay. I think Marshall Sumner would shove a bomb up the Janai's ass. Yeah, I think 38 minutes would still probably still happen. Because mm-hmm. um, there's nothing particularly noteworthy about, I don't think, because Sumner would probably not leave the city very often. Um, so it's not like he'd be on. I don't think the team makeup would be any different now. The question is, what do you think? Some, oh, this is actually what I think needs to be explored first. Um, the Athosians and what do you think? I think Sumner would get them off the city faster. I don't think he would be okay with them. I think. Hmm. I think he I, would find an alpha site, and he would probably involve the Athosians in, in helping make that decision, and their that maybe their village, their new village would, would be the alpha site. Okay. That, that makes sense. And he would get them, but cause I don't, I just don't see him with, with his mindset and with he, what he perceives to be or not perceives to be, but what, you know, his, his experience with, with military threat, with threat against military and military operations, operational security, force protection, support, all that kind of stuff. I just don't see him looking at um, wanting to have, until they know what's going on, opening up the city to have other people living with them. So I think that there'd be a very short-term thing with the Athosians living with them. So that then it comes to, does he allow Taylor to be on the city? I think that John could persuade him. That they need a local... But um, also, I think that they'd probably, if they use new Athos, whatever it turned out to be, as an alpha site, then other teams could pick up native guides from the Athosians there permissions yeah. um maybe that could be coordinated by taylor but so taylor would not live on the city or she would hauling took the athosians to the mainland right and i don't and taylor it... stayed on the city and i don't remember the details of that something happened that made them want to split off but i don't remember um i don't remember what expedition that what episode that was was it suspicion was it the episode where they're suspicious of um, 
Taylor. And so after the end of that, that Pauling wanted to leave. Was that the episode that it was? Episode five? Okay, we'll get some help. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop for a second. I'm gonna, I'll be right back. Okay. Well, that's my, that's my headcanon that it was the race blood um, that caused uh, um, tensions between her and her people that they found out that she had race, that she'd been, her family line had been experimented on by the race. But that's not backed up in canon. I mean, even Kanan, who also had um, been experimented by, by the race, uh, lived with the Athosians with no issues or problems whatsoever. Um, so no, I don't think that was actually canon. I think the real issue between Holling and Taylor was that Holling was jealous of, of John Shepard. But I'm not sure that was explicitly said in canon either. If I were riding with an Alpha site, I would definitely have missions. I think I would have people leave Atlantis to the Alpha site and then dial out to wherever they were going to dial out. There might even be more than one dial out before going to their destination planet. And the only, and direct dial to Atlantis would be severe emergency only, like life and death injury. So the Janai would never have an opportunity to get anywhere near the city. I wouldn't want to do the microwave planet because it's act, the conditions actually are cancerous. Um, with exposure, you know, long-term exposure, I wouldn't want teams to be going in and out of that every day. In and out of what? In and out of what? Um, Cancer Planet, where they find Ronin eventually. Oh, yeah, right. Um, well, in a, in a genuine emergency, they need to get home to Atlantis as soon as possible before someone bleeds out. Right, but also they wouldn't want their emergency stop planet to be a planet that the Wraith are known to visit, right? I, mean, I don't know what the setup... I don't know what the setup for that was, but I mean, if they needed a beta site, like a place to have an interim point, it wouldn't be a, a planet that they know the Wraith visit frequently. They'd probably want to find a planet planet that... This, uh, if this was that, a fix-it for Ronan, they would find him sooner. But this isn't about Ronan. It's about um, Sumner. Right. Um, yeah, so I would, I would do the... Um, I think that John could eventually, maybe not instantly, but pretty quickly make the case to Sumner about why they need Taylor on the city because they need to, you know, if her insights into like planets and different peoples and that kind of thing is something that I think would be very important for them for mission planning. And um, I think that it, it would be very counterproductive to to have her off world all the time and having to go. So I think that, you know, John could make a case if she wanted to be there, but you know, you could, you could, in this case, it could go either way. Either she's living with her people or she's living with them. Um, there are less ripples to work out if Taylor's with them. So, because it alters the dynamic of things. If she's potentially not on all the missions with him. On the other hand, if she and her little tracking beacon are on another planet, if that tracking beacon goes with them to New Athos, New Athos gets cold. I think that's the way I would play it, was that John makes a good case for for Taylor staying on Atlantis and Sumner accepts it. So, But Sumner might be inclined um, to also take Bates a little more seriously than John did. Um, and the first time, or maybe the second time they got ambushed by the race, um, he'd be like, 
okay, we got a problem. I'm not saying he'd be hostile with Taylor, but I do think he would be like, um, so you can sense the wraith. Can they sense you? Can they track you? And maybe John can remember that necklace that he activated and shortly thereafter Athos was cold was cold. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, because I think that he would have a little bit more, he'd have a different perspective. Cause he's he's been an officer for a long time. And he has so, a lot of experience with, with Stargate and with going to other planets and other people. And I think he I think honestly, if John is leaving the city a lot, um, they would probably leave Ford in place with Sumner as a, a as a learning. Because that was supposed to be what Ford's learning experience anyway. I don't think Ford would be getting off the city much. He'd be learning to be an officer. He'd probably um, work as um, Sumner's admin. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't want to be the one that has to write the report about Elizabeth Weir sneaking off and using an ancient an ascension machine to ascend. I think they'd all argue over who had to write that. I think Rodney would take great delight in writing it. <laughs> And then You'll Sumner, not believe what this fucking idiot did. <laughs> and then Sumner gets the report and looks at it and says, you're going to have to edit this, John. This is just... I mean, he was honest. This is just part of your... <laughs> yeah, like that. Not it, sir. <laughs> Respectfully. Um, oh, they can, they can let McKay um, write it, but they would have to edit it. Have to edit the fuck out of it. Well, Duranda happened during season two. And I don't think it would happen under Sumner. And if it did go down, it would go down differently. Um, I think Sumner would take a very similar position to, to Caldwell in that, you know, and, and honestly, John's position, John's reaction to, to Dorinda was, was, was dumb and canon. Most science is, is, is science is 95% failure. Maybe yeah. even 99% failure. And John knows that. Failure is still a result. Tell them one more way not to do it. I think, I think that I, I just, yeah, I don't think that with also it puts the situation in a different perspective because John's not going to bat for Rodney. Rodney isn't trying to persuade John he called, you not called. Well, um, Sumner hears the information. Sumner makes a decision, decides that Rodney's going to try it. Like you said, very similar to the, he has the same kind of perspective Caldwell does. So there's no persuading going on. It's just like, okay, you can try it, but these are the precautions we're going to take. And when we say it's time to pull the plug, the plug is pulled. That's it. This is how this works. And so I think that it would be a very different situation. And I think a year a year under Sumner's command that McKay... Um, McKay is, is smart, but he's not a disrespectful asshole. And if Marshall Sumner had proven himself to McKay he wouldn't argue with him when it came to the safety of the mission or the safety of, of the expedition or the people involved. Um, so I think it would go down very differently. Okay. So let's just walk through the episodes real quick and talk about um, what those events have happened. I think McKay still puts on the personal shield emitter. Yeah. I don't see why he wouldn't. Um, uh, so... I don't see that episode going much differently, except that, of course, that Sumner's in charge. I'd have to watch the episode with the shadow creature thing to be sure that um, I don't think 
Sumner would change things significantly, but I don't, I probably wouldn't even address it all that much in the story because I don't think it would change anything. I think 38 minutes would go down the same way. Suspicion would be different because the Athosians wouldn't be on the city at that point anyway. Um, but they would still have the issue with Taylor, and I think Sumner would handle it differently and they'd find out about the beacon. So that I'd probably address those events. I don't think child. I'd, I'm trying to remember childhood's end. Did they, did they report back once they were on the planet with all those kids or were they just there for the whole duration? I don't really remember how that episode went. Here's, here's the thing about that. I don't think Sumner would have parted with the ZPM. Oh, I don't either. Which means I think Sumner would have said, okay, go get those kids and take them to the Athosians because that's bullshit. And those kids should not be living in some kind of suicide cult. I still don't think Sumner would have given them the ZPM back and just left them there. It was a morally ambiguous decision to begin with originally. And well, it, it, Elizabeth acted like they were following the prime directive or something. It's like, do you forget what show you're on? Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's bullshit. The Athosians should have taken those kids in. I think there wouldn't have been an adjustment. But I also think that the, the oldest kids would have been relieved not to be responsible anymore for those other kids. Yeah. At that point in their society, uh, the parents of those children were already dead. Yeah. And their siblings were taking care of them. But frankly, they probably were very pre precariously close to not being genetically viable to begin with. Yeah. So I, I, I'm totally with you on this, that, that Sumner would be like, you know, even if there's not enough power in the ZPM to like do anything significant, I don't think he would release the amount of power that is there. Um, it would make communicating with the SGC with the, with the microburst data burst a lot easier. Yeah. But. Well, but there could have been that much because the point of the ZPM there was it was powering a shield, right? It could have been powering a play and powering a planetary shield. And the reason that they were committing suicide was because the shield was getting smaller, so the shield was no longer able to to hold a, a big population. So there couldn't have been that many, even if there were other villages. There still couldn't have been that many because they were all if because otherwise you've got a huge contradiction. If there is enough power in that ZPM to power a shield big enough to cover villages they can't even see and can't get, you know, that there's obviously no indication of. Um, there's no reason for them to be a suicide cult. Right. If it's that big. And also it means that the ZPM had more power. Because if how could the ZPM be powering a planetary shield if, and not be enough power to help the city? That doesn't track. So either it's got minimal power enough to just cover a couple of villages at most. I mean, so there's a contradiction there, you know, it does, but it is bad writing strikes again, but you have to, so, but still it's got a huge range if it's able to cover a lot of villages, right? Which means it can't be as powerless as canon implied that it was. See, there is one small village that they are killing each other to keep sparse in order to maintain, just to stay in that shield and to stay safe. Or, it's a big giant shield, there's a whole bunch of villages, and they're just killing each other for no reason. It just, I think there's, 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 there's enough, like, somewhat contradiction in there that you could skew it to be, um, 
But I agree. I think regardless of whether Sumner would keep it for the power on it or not, I do think that he it, it is it was an incredibly morally ambiguous choice to leave all those children there. So right, because Ford was older than all of them by what like six or seven months. So Ford is twenty ish, twenty five. That sounds about right. So, so basically, they were breeding and dying. So I love to breed, have a baby, and die. So back they go. So that's how I would deal with that episode. Um, poisoning the well. So then we get to Hoth and the Hoffins. So I don't think, like we've talked about earlier, I, I don't think that, I think once they find out the situation, that um, Sumner, I don't even know how far Sumner would go with it. Once he found out that the, huh. It could be, I, you could write it, and I and I might that questions are raised that once the military takes you know command of the expedition or whatever, um, that maybe people come to, uh, or maybe Sumner gets access to some of the scientific stuff that he hasn't really been privy to in the past, like concerns have been raised about Doctor, um, what's his name, Doctor Beckett's. Um, research and how it hasn't been peer reviewed da, 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 da. so he could already have he could have concerns going into the expedition to hoff about uh becca's ethics especially when it comes to research and so when he expresses an interest in participating in helping is the hoff and study this this cure sumner could be very skeptical about it and be like i don't know about that i got i got issues this doesn't seem like a very good idea but on the other hand, considering the threat the Wraith are, I could see that they would he would want intel, but I think he would want somebody helping oversee it with Beckett. And be like, I want to understand, I want I want to know what he's doing, how he's doing it. I want unbiased intel about the outcome of this. And then when they when the reports come in that that this cure is no kind of cure, I think he'd pull his people out. Be like, nope, we're not playing, we're not playing with this. So I think that would definitely go down differently i yeah i agree i think sumner would have john interfacing with sciences a lot because of john's background because of john's ability to understand what the hell they're they're talking about um well true but i think for the people living in um pegasus and i just don't think that that the u.s military i don't think sumner would be there yet but for somebody living in pegasus that thinks they might die anyway like we're gonna die anyway whether we, I would rather not die as food, that that they would make that choice. I mean, I, I get I get that 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 decision. I'm gonna I'm gonna die. Just I'd rather you know die by being, you know, having our city torched from orbit, or I'd rather die in a in a battle or or be shot than to be someone's dinner. Right. But I don't know that I think that the. That, that Sumner and the, and the U and the military are there yet, that they're there in that thinking yet. Right. They would just see that it's the same thing either way that you're going to die either way, you know, but why would you accelerate with the risk, the sheer, the sheer level of risk that this supposed cure or vaccine causes? Um, Cause you, because that's, that to me was the issue, right? They weren't dying from being fed on or being killed by the race. They were dying from the, the from the cure. If you're going to die from the cure, you might as well just, you know, shoot yourself right it's if it, it it basically it got came down to it for all those people who died taking that cure was basically suicide it was not 
denying them food. So, okay, so after Hoff, we're at the Janai. That'd be a big point of departure. I think there'd be a big difference there because Sumner would handle the Janai very differently, I think. Yeah. I mean, it would be, yeah, it would be bad. I mean, for the Janai. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so you're holding my bro and my chief scientist hostage. That's how you want to play that. All right. Okay. Um, Bates. <laughs> half of them died from the Hoff treatment, but the Wraith also attacked them when they realized they couldn't be fed on her. Is that Fanon? I don't think we ever hear any follow-up on Hoff, do we, in canon? Half of them did die. They were dying from the treatment, but other than that, did we, was there follow-up in canon on the Hoffins? Um, I don't, I don't remember it. But it's been a long time since I watched Atlantis because I got pissed. And I hated that do. episode. Yeah. I and of the, even though I've rewatched season one several times, I hated poisoning the well so much that I only watched it once because I intensely disliked it. Um, but I'm I'm reading about the Hoffman. Look at the Hoffmans real quick. All it says is the obsession with the it turned out the Atlantis expedition was right since the Wraith destroyed the entire Hoffman population after they found out the vaccine about the vaccine. Michael Ugly. stole the information. <laughs> Michael Penmore stole the information about the Hoffman drug from the archives and began using it in his own war against the Wraith before he was eventually stopped by the Atlantis expedition. Okay, I remember. So, I remember him using it because he um, he turned it into a biological weapon. Yeah. The Hoffman so, thing. Yeah. So it says it was discussed. So as, uh, the Atlantis expedition decided to help them with the help of Dr. Beckett, they were able to complete the cure and tested it on, on the Wraith, which the Atlantis expedition had captured. It was discovered that not only did the vaccine kill the Wraith who fed on a person using the substance, but that it also only worked on 50% of the people who were using it while the other half died. Nevertheless, the Hoffins decided to use it despite AR1's warning that the Wraith won't let them live with such a cure. Appalled by the society's ruthlessness, AR1 left. It later turned out the Atlantis expedition was right since the Wraith destroyed the entire Hoffin population after they found out the vac about the vaccine. But it's not clear, it doesn't mention here, how they found out about the vaccine. I guess it's just in the course of capturing one of them and trying to feed on them. Uh, no, I don't think Sumner would be on board with them keeping any Wraith prisoners on the city, much less trying to experiment on one. No. No, Michael would not happen. I, I actually don't think I would ever write an SG fix it where Michael happened. I mean, that's one of the pure primary things I'd want to fix because it infuriates me. That whole Michael plotline was so fucking dumb. The only person who had an iota of sense in that whole thing was Ronan when he was like, this is stupid. We should this kill is really it. Dumb. <laughs> Why are you people keeping a wraith around? I mean, the things I let Becca get away with in an attempt to cure the wraith was just, and I don't think, I don't think Sumner would be down for that at all. At all. I don't even really think John was down for it. He just, he just didn't feel like he had a choice. Agreed. Um, so I, I'm not actually sure in reading it. Cause I could see that as a military leader, who's got this big, threat of the race that he would want his people to help participate in at least the study of what this thing could do. So it might not actually change all that much, but well, I don't know. Either he doesn't let them participate at all. He's like, no, we're not doing this or which doesn't quite make sense to me. Or um, it kind of goes down basically 
the same way. And I don't know that they would have much choice but to let the Hoffins self-destruct, right? It just was, it was just, to me, it was just really... It would be... Either way, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. I think they would um, back away and let it happen. I mean, they'd have a choice. It much with, But the thing is, the mistake that they made was documenting the cure in their own databases. But I think Sumner would have a method of protecting classified information. And I don't, but Michael would never happen. So Michael wouldn't be taking the information, but I just am not sure how the Wraith ever found out about it. Well, they had the Wraith probably found torture, um, um, probably tortured a Hoffman to find out what happened. Yeah. To get that information as to what they did with it. It's an entirely different matter. But, but it became a security issue for, or a security bigger security issue when Michael got access to their database. Now, that there, that also there's that there's some lack of security implied there, that somebody who never should have had any kind of system access at all, was able to get information out of their database. Um, but that was later, obviously, and that wouldn't be happening. Michael wouldn't be happening either. But I would just address the whole security thing. Um, Okay, so I don't know that the episode, the next episode is Home, which I thought was kind of a throwaway episode in that season, which was the one with the, the aliens who live in the mist, who gave them all. It it seemed like a, it seemed like a filler. Yeah, it, 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 does, it, it has no really bearing on anything because, you know, they don't, they never went anywhere with those aliens who live in the mist, right? They just. There's nothing happening. So there's, I don't think that would change, but I wouldn't probably address it all that much. Um, and then, so the next thing is the storm, which the things go down really differently here, right? Because, but I don't think it would be a lot of story involved in, in this, in these, it was a huge part of that season because of the Janai getting taken, getting the city. But all they're going to do in this instance is evacuate to the Alpha site after John and Rodney fixed the grounding stations. Um, and then that's it. Because right. the, the Janai can't get on the city. So it, it becomes something that is markedly different from canon. The ripple effect of Sumner being in charge makes this remarkably different from canon, but it's actually a very small amount of the plot of, of this story because nothing happens. Instead of a big catastrophic thing happening, there's just not much. It's just a, a logistics issue. It's like, yeah, they evacuated the Alpha site. There was a giant storm. They got back. Things were wet. You know? <laughs> Things were wet. <laughs> and there's none of that crap with trying to get the Athosians off the mainland because, I mean, that whole thing, we've got to, com- we've got to complete this, these rites we're doing or whatever, so we can't evacuate. We're going to put people at risk. <laughs> I just... You need to get uh, your ass the jumper. Right? That's just so I mean, I knew what they did it so that Carson and and would be all you know, they would they would be able to see this stuff and they'd have some them come in and be able to deal with the Wraith, the some people in the city the Wraith didn't know about. Blah blah blah. But it just it felt contrived because it just it made it be that it was it was a funeral, right? Was it a, it was a funeral? I don't remember. I think it was funeral rites, but it kind of made it be that, that these funeral rites were more important than preventing more funerals. So <laughs> I just thought that was crazy cakes. So, but the Athosians wouldn't be on the mainland. They'd be at the Alpha site. Um, so that none of that would happen. So 
all of that huge plot, which the big plot in season one was the storm, right? It's all building up to that. The storm is the big thing. And because that's when the Janai take the city. So all these little elements that they've been teasing about and built into that, that just kind of go away. So goodbye. Um, I don't think the events of the Defiant one would change much. This is the one where they find that um, Wraith, the lone Wraith survivor. But actually, it could be. It, I just, I just said, I do think there'd be some, maybe some slightly different outcome. Assuming they still go on that mission, which I don't know why they wouldn't, and assuming they, on this planet, Sumner could have been implementing better training for the civilians. So those two civilians, those two scientists, might not have been killed. They might have like pulled their gun and shot the wraith. It could have significantly changed that episode, at least the events of those episodes. Well, that wraith was pretty. Um, he was pretty old and pretty hungry, and pretty powerful because I think Rod, John, and Rodney both emptied clips into this thing, and it didn't do a damn thing. Well, true, but I think that at some point they're going to be like, I don't know why they were still going for the chest shot, <laughs> right? Why are you people still shooting them in the chest? I get it for some of the scientists who don't have, um, who don't have the background. But John should have been taking headshots. But if those two scientists reacted right away to the wraith, he he doesn't feed on them. So let's say they shoot him, right? And they, um, the wraith is not, he hasn't fed, right? So he's weaker. So the reason John and Rodney, I think, had problems with this wraith was because he had just fed on those two other dudes. Agreed. Agreed. So the scientist could at least make him fall back a little bit. John comes right around the corner and takes the headshot. Actually, I'd probably, I just had an idea. I could probably just show the differences to the audience by having Sumner reading excerpts from John's reports. Like have a summary, some like just have a scene that starts off with Sumner reading the last report from AR1's last mission and just read the summary line about what had happened. And that conveys to the audience how that episode went differently and then move into what that scene's actually about. That's very good, actually. It's a very good plot device. It would also help you set the pace for the whole... Um, uh, you, could set, you could use that to set pace across the whole story and determine the timeline. And you could show an evolution between John and um, Sumner's relationship with how Sumner reacts to John's reports. Like, he could be like a little bit irritated about some stuff early on and then he finds similar things amusing later. Or, you know, like you could have a note, like after reading, he puts a comment in. A little less brevity, Major. Thank you. <laughs> I need some detail. Um, you can even start thinking, why is it always AR1 that gets up to this shit? You know, I would probably start to wonder. I wonder what the other teams are keeping from me. <laughs> How could AR one be the ones who are always in trouble off world? It doesn't make sense. I mean, because that's how that's how I would think. Because I, because you know, it doesn't seem realistic that they'd be the only ones, right? So it's like, okay, so Shepard has the least amount of experience in the SGC, so he's just being too honest in his reports. They're so telling what these assholes are up to off world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are they doing? How many? In any case, he could write. He could write. John Major, am I missing any supplementary reports? Why is it always you guys who are the ones who are being forced to participate in off-world marriages, and nobody else is? I feel like I'm not being told something. Hmm. Um. Yes, I think that things could happen in a different order, but um, I probably wouldn't. 
I probably wouldn't have. There'd be some additional missions probably, but I probably wouldn't change the order of events too much. Also, I don't think that changing when they went and found that wraith changes the events all that much because he was still the only person on that planet and he was still starving. So um, I think that I would, I probably wouldn't give myself too more work than strictly necessary by rearranging events when I'm trying to figure out ripples, because I would assume that in Canon that there was a, a, some sort of informed rationale behind where they went, when they went, even with Elizabeth in charge. Um, Okay, so that episode could that episode could go like it could go differently, and I'm in terms of maybe more people survive it. Um, I don't think it's critical overall. I think it it happens one way or the other. They I think they still go. Um, okay, so next episode, and this one could be one that the hot zone episode. I think that this is the one where they have find that lab. And people start and then and Which then lab? This, this is the one with the. Scientists start dying because of hallucinations and brain aneurysms and stuff. Oh, the nanite lab? Yeah. Um, that's This is one of the ones I would have to watch really closely. That's the one where John disobeys orders. Um, Elizabeth orders to stay where he was, yeah. Yeah. But I don't see Shep- I don't see Sumner issuing the order for him to stay put. No. It doesn't... It, it, John it doesn't has the harsh... John has the strongest gene on the city. If John's not infected and they don't think he is, and he's also wearing one of the hazmat suits, he has the most ability to work around the quarantine. Why did she isolate him? Yeah. It's like she wanted to get people killed. Yeah. And honestly, it was an infuriating episode because they have John defying her orders and it doesn't serve any purpose. So it just created tension between them um, for no reason. I mean, he, he was so insistent about getting out there and helping and then it just didn't serve any purpose so i think that that one would 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 go a little bit differently but fundamentally not all that much it'd it'd go differently in the sense that i don't think there'd be the stupid order of trying to isolate john the question would be is is elizabeth weir dead yet uh i'd probably I'd have her be a problem for a little while. I'm trying to think about where I would be just like if I had, had enough of her. Um, yeah. I'd probably had do, do away with her sometime between the episodes of between suspicion and, and poisoning the well. So between um, the stuff about the potential spy on the city and the stuff with the Hoffins, I'd probably do away with her in there. I'd probably find where I could actually get some good benefit from her, from her death. Like, have you know have a moment where you know there's just everything's just really frustrating there's so much going on and have like a moment for um Sumner to be like he didn't want to revel in you know someone's death but it was you know really good you know it was it was helpful to him at that moment that Elizabeth wasn't sneaking around trying to take over the city still you know that she'd she'd done away with herself bitten off more than she could chew yeah so i'd have her definitely have her gone by this point so Okay, so we're at, we are at, uh, we're still at that nanite thing. Do you think that goes down any differently? I don't see how it would, um, other than other than him having John trying to control the city as much as possible and try to help work around what's happened. Okay, in that episode, John's disobeying orders. McKay is in botany having a meltdown with Doctor Brown, I believe. Um, no. What no? 
Which one? Oh, oh, it's the other one where he gets locked down in the lab with Katie Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of it's, the infected. Um, he's with wasn't he with Zelenka? Zelenka was with them, right? You know, it's almost like Weir wanted to get McKay killed. I mean, if I was the suspicious sort, I remember it now. I just got, I just had the two quarantine because I was like, why, how is that? Because Taylor was pregnant in that quarantine episode. That doesn't make any sense because John's climbing on the side of the tower. I, I mixed two, two quarantine episodes together. I don't think it happens to substantially different except the part where, you know, Elizabeth, we're trying to get Rodney killed. Um, yeah, I think it goes down much the same. I, I think it would be, again, like a footnote in the overall story because uh, the difference would be that Sumner doesn't try to contain Shepard. Because why would he? I think he needs Sum- John moving. Yeah, he do- I think he does. I think it's actually very important that that the person with the most ability to contain, to control the city, um, not be locked down. Would Sumner have prioritized digging? This is a question in the chat. Would, somebody, would Sumner have prioritized digging into the database early on? I can't imagine that digging in the database wasn't a priority no matter what, because I think that getting information out and trying to understand the city and what the ancients had done would have been important. They would have prioritized it highly, but like, you know, not ahead of operational security and it wouldn't have been prioritized above keeping the city functional, you know, so, but it would have been a high priority item. It just wouldn't have been you know, mission critical. So I don't know that he would have could have prior. I think that that would have been canon. That in canon they should have should have prioritized database research. It's just a matter of people who would re- who would read ancient or translate ancient. They had a fairly limited resource. So, um, well, yeah, they would not have prioritized. Sumner would not have allowed re- you know digging into the database for inf- information on ascension to be a priority at all because he wouldn't have cared. Like we don't care about that. No one here is ascending. That could actually be a very entertaining conversation between Weir. If she says she she wants she starts petitioning for a priority research into ascent. She goes, "No one here is going to ascend. What does it matter with you? We're not looking into that. We need to find trading partners. We need to secure an alpha site and a beta site. And no, absolutely no research into ascension. And then she's such a pain in the ass. Look at her. Yes, you personally can look into ascension. I don't care. Ascend if you want." <laughs> But I do not authorize anybody else on this city to ascend except for you. It could even he could even issue an order, like an official order that he puts out that no one's allowed to ascend. <laughs> except Elizabeth Weir. <laughs> I would be very entertained by that. Uh the energy eating monster is early on. That's with the shield generator. That is episode th- three or four, I think. Episode three. I don't think that goes much differently. Um, are you there? I think I don't know if Kira's muted or if we just lost her. Muted. No, can't hear you. There you, you are. Hear me now. There. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to reconnect. Okay. So hide and seek is the shield episode. Yeah. So that's early on. I don't think that would go much differently. Um. It would be funny if Sumner issued an order saying that nobody was allowed to ascend but Elizabeth Weir. <laughs> the doctor Weir would like this to be priority research, but I'm just like, and I I have given her my personal permission to do this research herself, but nobody else is allowed to ascend. <laughs> I don't have time for that shit. We need everybody in the positions they're in to maintain base security and keep things functional, so no one's allowed to ascend. Just letting you know. 
and they can even the scientists could even take this very seriously. The military recognizes it for what it is, which is he's fed up with Elizabeth Weir. But the scientists could take it very seriously and ask questions, and then he has to issue addendums. If you're near death and you figured out ascension, you may do so. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are not nearly dying or about to die, you are expected to have your ass at your post. No exceptions. Um, okay, so where are we in the episode? He can oh. keep a list of people he's decided that can ascend if they would like. Kavanaugh quickly makes that list. Yes. Kavanaugh, if you, Dr. Kavanaugh, if you can if you can figure out ascension, you are welcome to embrace it. Okay, so hot zone I don't think goes much differently. I do think sanctuary goes much differently though, which is the episode with Chea, because I don't think that I don't think that Sumner would let her anywhere near the city. No. I think he'd have John's ass in the infirmary. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you want to bring some woman from another planet here to wander around, take tours? Are you crazy? Have you, Are has you someone nuts? Did you drink anything while you were on this planet? Didn't we talk about how you're supposed to stick to the MREs and, and, and the, the, the water that we send you, you know, that you're not supposed to be drinking things on these planets. Didn't we have that discussion? It's real dumb. It is really dumb. So I think some things go differently there. Um, again, I don't think this is a, another case where this isn't really all that big a deal because Sumner is not going to let her traipse around in the city. So how much gets figured out is, and the overall, is it Fanon that Chea had to manipulate thought? I don't remember. This is one of those things that it, it's sort of, again, there wasn't much about that, that, that whole episode that had much of an impact on anything. I don't think that I recall anyway. In, in Fanon, um, a lot of McKay Shepherd shippers like to say that Chaya used um, her abilities as an, as an ascendant ancient to manipulate John to cheat on McKay or to ignore McKay's advice or to be attracted to her because he's super gay, but that's not Canon. I mean, if you've gotten, if you've got John and I mean, the easiest, the, to me, the easiest way to approach that episode, but this is again, people being allergic to changing canon events is if John and Rodney are together, John just doesn't have any interest in Shea. That's it. That's all you have to do. Then John's not a hoe bag. Right. You, you don't need to have him because you don't need those events to happen. What you do is you figure out how the events would change if John isn't flirting with Shea because he's banging his scientists. Right. So it just it happens differently. But people put these kind of put these, you know, contrivances into their plots sometimes to try to avoid changing the events. Like they want the event to go down the exact same way, even though it doesn't actually make sense that the event would go down the same way. It's silliness. Yeah. And I would think at this point under, you know, he's had months to, you know, part of a year, a significant amount of time working with Sumner, seeing what, you know, base command is like and operational security and all this kind of stuff, that he's going to have a different mindset. You know, he's going to be picking up stuff from Sumner and he, and he's going to change his approach to situations. So he's probably going to be less trusting. I mean, Canon John was working under Elizabeth Weir, who kind of was trying to make friends with the entire galaxy, apparently. Um, and also you can't even say for certain that his team would be the one that ends up on that planet. Because True. he wouldn't be making operational decisions like that. That'd be Sumner. Mm -hmm. So that episode, in terms of the episode events, would change quite a bit in in the way I would write it. 
but it'd still be a footnote in the plot. I wouldn't show that, right? Because it's just, it's not, it's not relevant in any meaningful way. Um, old Elizabeth, I don't think changes much. Sumner just kind of like, no. yeah, okay. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Put her in the infirmary. She, oh, new Elizabeth is already dead, so Sumner's just like, just. I cannot believe we have this bitch to deal with again. This is like, right. what is this shit? That's like, uh, why also, couldn't you? the fucking word of her story because I don't believe it. Yeah, we're just not going to trust her. He'd be like palliative care until she dies. If she makes it until we make contact with Earth, we can send her back. But I don't want to hear anything about her. All right, next one, the Brotherhood. Um, there, if I think I'd have them keep that fucking ZPM, and they'd have a whole the it, that would go down differently again because they don't have the same experience with the Janai. The Janai are holding a little bit less of a grudge because they never got onto the city. Happy birthday. Maybe maybe less of a grudge, maybe more of a grudge, depending on um, how Sumner handled the hostage situation. What hostage situation? I mean, if the Janai... Oh, oh, um, oh, in the, if in they, the original episode, yeah. Yeah. How would you... That episode would... That's the episode that I can think of that would go down the most different, but I'd have to actually watch the episode. I think Sumner would respond with some serious aggression. Yeah, I agree. He's a military commander, and he's a combat officer. He's a heavy combat asset. His his reaction is not going to be to send them medicines. Oh, you want some C4? Okay. Here you go. Right up your butt, baby. The Janai really doesn't understand. Um, they don't have the... The thing about human beings is we tend to make war like, like it's a hobby. Um, and I don't think anybody on Janai is really ready for a Force Recon Marine with a grudge. No, I don't think they're ready for that at all. And I got a feeling that Sumner would not respond well to his people being held hostage. No. So because that goes down very differently, the next big impact on that, unless you have various run-ins with the Janai throughout the season, which could happen if they're angry. If they think that they have weapons that would fight some, help them fight the Wraith, then they would be. They would be very invested in getting to it. Force Recon are um, Special Forces Marines. Um, they receive a gr this like their version of a Navy SEAL or um, a Green Beret. They're you know if there's a dog pile, they're on top. So Force Recon Marines are trained a lot like SEALs, but they're mission they're objectives. Smarter. They're mission. <laughs> no way. They're 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 geared towards intelligence, I guess. Yeah, Hotter. their mission. Their, their, yeah, their mission objectives are different. <laughs> anyway, um, so I think that that Sumner's approach to handling everything with the Janai would just be different. So that's the that's the most difficult thread to pull in the whole if, series of events in season one is the ripple effect of how the Janai react to what Sumner might or might not do. If he, 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 I think he would take a very heavy hand with them. And there will be much regret to be had. Yeah. And so they would be very hostile, but they would never get on the city. And they, you know, and they probably would know they're not going to get anything out of. I'm not even sure they would know about the city. Unless they've taken an insosion and tortured the shit out of them. Yeah, I'd have to double recheck that episode to find out how much the Janai knew when they 
grabbed a hold of Rodney. Um, and I would hope that Sumner wouldn't let anybody, any of the scientists off the city without giving them some lessons on operational security. Like, you know, I don't think Rodney actually would be saying that their weapons are us. <laughs> like he did in canon. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so how does this, uh, how does, how do things go differently with the Brotherhood? I think they keep the ZPM on the ZPM. Well, absolutely. I definitely think that would be the ultimate outcome is they're going to keep that ZPM. I don't know if the Janai would be there. I don't know. I mean, it would, it would depend on what you'd done so far with it. If, if you had had a, several run-ins with the Janai, if um, the Janai would have been able to gather intelligence on them to know enough to know that they would go to that planet to get that ZPM is just, it does the, is the Janai aware of their main mission goal? Does the Janai beat them there and get the ZPM for um, negotiation purposes? Well, that wouldn't work because Rodney's the one who figured out, or was it John? Someone, but John some, figured it out. Yeah, John figured out where it was, so they couldn't have the ZPM since John's the one who locates it. Yeah, but it's just a puzzle. I mean, he isn't the only person in the in, in the universe who could figure it out. True, but nobody had figured it out to that point. Or the Janai could have killed everybody on that planet that told them no until someone said yes and got them the ZPM. <laughs> that could be interesting because then it puts them in the position of fighting the Janai in order to get the ZPM rather than um, the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood I mean, who just want know. to go worship as a holy relic. Although the biggest mistake they made was telling those people that they weren't the ancients. If someone asks if you're a god, yeah. you say yes. I mean, go to <laughs> Ghostbusters, teach them nothing. I mean, if all else fails, all they have to do is say, well, I'm not an ancient personally, but John is. <laughs> Just pass the buck. I haven't watched that episode in a long time. Maybe someone did call the Janai and, and tell them. Um, but if the Janai have no idea who they are, where they are, or what they want, they might have a hard time finding the expedition. Yeah, I have to step through. The, the biggest complication in the whole thing is the Janai. And so I'd have to step through all the episodes that even tangentially deal with the Janai to figure out how I would thread those changes into the plot. Because you could have the Janai be a bigger problem or a much smaller problem. And it would just depend on what you wanted to do, right? I mean, did you ever watch that? Not watch. Did you ever read that fic where um, the Janai sneak some form of anthrax onto the city with a trade partner? And Elizabeth Weir is infected. Well, Rodney realizes immediately what has happened. And he takes her to the ancient stasis pod and tosses her in it um, to save her life. Well, the end result is, is that Rodney ended up in charge of the expedition. And so he decided to punish the Janai for their act of terrorism by putting a lock on their gate so they couldn't go anywhere. I think... And at one point, John disobeys him. He sticks John in the brig. <laughs> I have not read this. <laughs> it is really good. I think Amaral wrote it. Is that familiar to you? Um, who, Twilight? Is it Amaral? I shall hunt. Where's the thick ninja? I know, because Carson has to feed the cure for the anthrax through the stasis pod, and he has to, like, he has an IV. 
he has the IV going through the stasis field. I remember that very specifically. It's funny the details that stick out to you, right? Yeah, but it's going really, really slow because it's having to go through the stasis field. Okay, so while you're hunting for that, so somehow it's a little difficult without being able to watch the episodes in part or read episode summaries, which would be a really dull thing to do on the air to figure out exactly how the things would go down with the Janai. But the end result of the Brotherhood would be that they would get the, the ZPM. Um, I don't think they knew how full that ZPM was because they never got it on the city to test it. So, hmm. If that ZPM is full, that could mean that with the Wraith incoming that they would... would hmm. Well, this gets to be complicated. There's a lot of different ways that could play. If they've got a full ZPM... Okay, For the Brotherhood... Sake, when I what? say this, people, the people in the chat room who've been in the Stargate fandom for a long time, you're going to go... I'm an idiot. It's Transcendental by Astolot. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, there are people who forget, you know, they'll, they'll be on a Fic Finder group who know your work quite well and describing your story. And because I think that's such just by Kira Marcos. And they go, oh, duh. Of course duh. it is. Of course it's Kira. I can't, I can't say it, though. Transcendental. Um, I don't know the story, so I... Transcendental. But it's by Astolot. Of, I mean, I like... Well, yeah, I mean, it's a little on par of you forgetting one of Estefi's story, but, you know. Transcendental. 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 I have, I have the link. Transcendental. Night, Margaret. It's 45K. It's an excellent read. You can't go wrong with Astolot, so you should read it. <sighs> okay, so the episode The Brotherhood was when the Wraith made their first incursion to the city and they um that's when that's when Markham got killed. So I'd want that to happen. Right, because it's not fair to have Markham and no stack to have Stackhouse and no Markham. Right. And we just don't we just but you know we just no we just don't need none of those shenanigans. Um so that episode would have to change quite significantly. So this is where they find out okay, so here we have a big decision point. They've got another ZPM. So they've got two ZPMs with a little bit in them. And then we've got this mystery ZPM. If the mystery ZPM is fully powered, they can certainly hold off the Wraith. But now they know the Wraith are coming, or at least they're going to find out soon that the Wraith are coming. If it's another partial ZPM, it could be enough to power the shield. Um, or it could be empty. I think I'd want it to be full. I think I'd want a full ZPM. Um, I mean, they deserve a break of some kind. Yeah, the thing is, when they make contact with Earth, then, if they've got a full ZPM, they I don't think they would be ordered to abandon the city, but I'd have to work through the logic of it. Because it could be that they'd be ordered to leave and come um, back to Earth. In a lot of ways, Atlantis is the vanguard. And if they're not there to monitor the Wraith, then they can't prepare Earth for a Wraith, um, uh, um, for a wraith invasion. Right. It's very dangerous. So I don't think they would abandon the city. They've got a full ZPM. So some of the stuff from Letters from Home would happen, um, just in the sense that they would still send those messages because, you know, this, this is their first chance that they've had to make contact and they would explain everything. Um, so I don't I mean, some events around that would change a little bit. Um, 
And again, I want to specify that the way I would approach writing something like this is I would just note the things that changed and which of these events I'd want to feed into my plot and which events would um, not even be mentioned because they just fundamentally wouldn't be altered or which events just wouldn't happen at all. I would step through and do all this stuff to figure out the ripples of how the plot would evolve. But the last thing I would do would be to retell every one of these episodes. Right. That would be with, super boring. With with minor changes. That's just, it's, or even major changes. It's just really, no. Um, I'd plot some other major events that would be happening and then feed in some information, like through this report thing that I mentioned or whatever, to let the reader know what's happened differently in some of these things. Um, but I'd want to work on the work on the kind of the in between stuff that showed how things are evolving on the city, how things are better, how John and 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 Sumner's working relationship is is improved, and how they've become friends, and the development of John and Rodney's relationship, and that's kind of where I would focus on. Uh, and then if they've got a shield up, then when the siege happens, they don't they don't lose people, they don't lose Ford, they don't lose. They don't lose forward to the jumper that he shouldn't have been able to fly. Um, right? That bothers the shit out of me. Landry might try. I think it greatly depends on what's going on on Earth. Whether or not that is even like a priority. Because if they're fighting the Ori, then they want the people on Atlantis looking for weapons to fight the Ori. And keeping the Wraith away from Earth. Because they can't pick two fights at once. Okay, someone asked, do they phone home sooner? I don't think that they would have power to phone home sooner. And they don't have the reason to try to push their power. Because even if they have that, what little bit is left in the ZPM from the, the planet with the kids, um, it was clear that dialing another galaxy was going to suck most of the power from the ZPM. And that that's why they had to compress the information so tightly. So even if they have a little bit of more power to burn, I don't, I don't see the actual them actually communicating much sooner than they did. The difference would be is if they do have a full ZPM when they dial in, they can maintain contact and actually talk to the SGC and get information. And with Sumner in charge, even if Everett comes through, Sumner they're not going to have the tension between the people on the city and. Everett's people when they send in reinforcements. If they have Sumner alive on the city, I don't know why they would send Everett. They might send him extra people, but why send a, why send an, another full bird out there? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. That, well, I mean, it just depends. I mean, they they send Caldwell out there with his people, so it could be that Everett. Yeah, but is Caldwell's ma managing a ship. True, but I mean, that's what I mean is that like Everett could be sent out there with. His group. I mean, it's not like they don't have multiple colonels and multiple majors functioning in the SGC. Each yeah. of them responsible for their own thing. So Caldwell, I mean, um, eh, Sumner is responsible for the expedition, but it doesn't mean that Everett isn't in charge of whatever group that he's got. And Everett's group, you know, Everett's Marines, you know, they might be a... Very true, Dark. And that's an issue. Well, do we know when Caldwell got snaked? I didn't think that was actually all that clear. Never had the impression actually that Caldwell was snaked at that point. I thought it happened probably relatively close to when he went to go plant the bomb on. I think you would have to look at the episodes of SG-1 where they find out the Trust have snakes. Because that's probably around when it happened to Caldwell. 
See, the thing is, I just don't buy if he's interfacing with the SGC on a regular basis. Logically, that he could run around with a snake in his head and it wouldn't be caught. That's why I always assumed that he had like passed through medical and stuff already when he got snaked for that mission. Because I just don't see how they wouldn't have caught it. I don't think he could have been snaked for a year and it not be figured out. He definitely would have had to avoid Tilk and Carter. Right. It just isn't. And Vala. I just don't think he'd be traipsing around the SGC for a year, avoiding people, conspicuously avoiding people, um, and and managing to what miss all of his medical appointments. It just it doesn't it just doesn't jive that he's snaked at that point. For me, I, I just I remember I looked pretty closely at this when I was working on something else for a Stargate project, and I came up with that my conclusion was that he was snaked pretty close to when that mission happened, and I couldn't find anything that contradicted that. Because snaking him a year before he was ever going to even go to, or you know, before he was ever even slated to go out to Atlantis for the purpose of blowing up Atlantis, it just it, it doesn't jive in my head. But I could be wrong. So it's one of those things I'd have to do some more research on. I just don't, it just doesn't hold together for me that he was walking around with a ghoul at that point. Um, are you there? It always seemed like a weird plot point to me. I mean, I always address it, but I, I feel like it's weird. I just, yeah, it is weird. They would want it, but it's just, it's it's an operational security issue that they would have to be, if the SGC not doing, once they found out that the trust had snakes, the SGC not doing routine screens on people in mission critical positions to make sure they weren't snaked is just foolish which means that they have to be doing them because you don't put somebody, you don't, you'd have to routinely screen the people who are, who've got heavy combat, you know, the, the heavy combat assets, they are heavy combat assets and they have them too. They're on the, he's in charge of the ship and not make sure he hasn't got snakes in his head. I mean, they check people coming back off, you know, from off world. So I think there would have to be routine screenings. Now, that's why I think they would have to get him in between those checks, those medical checks. And it would have to be in a way that he could avoid the people who would be able to det- detect a snake in him. Like Kira said, like Vala and like Sam and whatever. Which means that he was, he goes in, gets his mission physical. Somewhere between his mission physical and him being beamed up to the Daedalus, he snaked. Actually, it's my and one story I I worked on this in. He was he was snaked on the Daedalus. That someone smuggled the snake on the Daedalus. That that was actually the easier way for me to do it than for him to be traipsing around the SGC with that snake in his head. So, how did he get it on the Daedalus? I still think it could. I think it's easier to smuggle the snake onto the Daedalus with with supplies or something than it is to. So. And you have one, and you have a trust plant who's on the Daedalus who snakes him. I just think that's easier than than Caldwell running around the SGC for a year with a snake in his head. So did they have the Daedalus on the ground supplying it? Because I, I question whether or not the Asgard beam would fail to notice us an, an undocumented life sign. Point. But it could have been in somebody. It could have been smuggled on in somebody. If, that if brings up another question is how come, how come that damn Asgard didn't notice? It seems like, you know, that their technology might notice a snake because, you know, they've been fighting the 
go for a very long time. <laughs> you think if it might he, come up. <laughs> if he never left the ship and always on Earth, there's no reason to check. But no, because they know the trusts have snakes on Earth, so there would be a reason to check. And it's also unrealistic for him never to have left the ship. Yeah, because he, he, yeah, he just he can't live in. It's certainly in, in, in a year. He's not going to leave the ship in a year. I just, it, it just, none of it. Honestly, none of it makes sense. But like I said, when I did this, I worked it out that the way I worked it out so that I could have the least number of holes to poke in it was that he got snaked on the ship and that there were other conspirators involved in having you know in in getting the snake into Caldwell and getting the um other whatever else they needed um because it was it was just a line it was just a computer program right that was going to cause atlantis to self-destruct i couldn't the trust fudge's medical because his medical is done by the sgc well then you're acting like they couldn't possibly have a trust agent in the sgc when they have a trust agent on the data list well they absolutely could but i think that one of the one of the areas that they would be really careful about with the snaking problem is that the people who verify that um, that people don't have snakes in them are the most highly vetted. Wouldn't it have been a really interesting plot line if Landry had been a goal? Yeah, that's true. But it's just, it's really bad operational security. I mean, if, if you've got, if really, if all of, if, if any of your generals or your colonels can be traipsing around with, um, I, the implications of you can't trust anything that comes out of Stargate Medical. You can't trust that the you know that the leadership don't have snakes. I mean, it becomes a very difficult plot to work with when security is that lax and the SGC is that vulnerable. Because if the SGC is it's that only ever that vulnerable when they need to have a foothold situation to get their ratings up, right? But if the, <laughs> but, but think about it, if the SGC is that vulnerable. The trust in the and the Google would have taken over a long time ago, so it just doesn't it just doesn't hold together to me logically. That I I couldn't I I would well I mean I could say I wouldn't want to try to write it that the SGC's operational security was that shitty, and because if it is, the trust are already in charge, and that's a level of angst that I don't just don't want to deal with. It's, that's too many having the trust be in charge of everything means that Atlantis isn't going to get the help it needs. Um, it means a lot of really ugly things. So it just makes everything more obstacles than I want to try to plot with. It would be ugly. I just think that, I just think you have to set up, for me, I have to set a bar for a certain level of security at the SGC. And yes, sometimes people slip through and it causes problems, but that has to be something that is out of the, out of the norm and not every day. And Caldwell never being screened, their leadership never being screened for any kind of corruption or, or control or, you know, snakings. Um, it would just, it, it'd be a problem for me. It'd be a big problem. I wouldn't want to try to write around. I, I would mean, have if to, you write the SGC completely infested with the trust, then um, that's a that's kind of like a, the earth is falling kind of, um, Mm -hmm. uh scenario there i just i just wouldn't choose to go that route so if they've got some level of security it doesn't hold together for me that caldwell could spend a year snaked um but i would have to rewatch the episode where he is snaked to try to get any glimmers of a clue about exactly how long he had it um like i said the last time i dealt with this in a story i did try to work this out and my ultimate decision was that he was snaked um 
on board the ship right before they left. Yeah. That's what I thought, Elliot. I thought it was never it was never in any way made clear how long he had had been under the influence of the gold, but Anyway, I still think that they would send reinforcements out there. I still think the Daedalus would be headed out to... Um, yeah, I, I do use the, the transcripts when I'm researching for actually writing. I tend not to try to look at the transcripts too much when we're on the air because it results in a lot of dead time and a lot of typing. Um, and that's kind of boring. And gives Kira more things to edit out. So I do think that they, I think they would tell them to hold, to stay, to hold the city if they can. And if they've got a full ZPM, the assumption would be that they could. And to, you know, there might be some people who are injured who would need to be evacuated, or there might be some people that Caldwell has determined are an absolute nightmare to have on the city that they might send back right away. If they've got power, we're sending some people through who just should not be here in the event that we're under attack or whatever. Um, but then the Daedalus is on its way anyway, because so I think a lot of those events pay out, play out the same, but the events of the actual siege, very different if the race can't get through the shield. So. I don't think there'd be any suicide mission. No, definitely not. But then they also probably wouldn't have been able to get a nuclear bomb from the Janai. I mean, because I don't think that their relationship would be that um friendly. <laughs> But Caldwell could have nuclear bombs on the thing, and they could have the idea then to beam them straight onto the hive ships. But I think that, I mean, we stepped, I stepped, you know, I stepped through, I don't know what your motivation was, but I stepped through all these episodes in response to that person who had talked about, you know, how you go through the episodes and decide what does and doesn't change. So kind of doing an example of how we look at what the ripples would be of, of a change. Um, but I think the overall, for me, the focus of the story would be just about things being, you know, the, what the how Sumner imp, in, impacts a change in the expedition for the betterment of the expedition, for the betterment of Pegasus, and focus a lot on him and John bonding, uh, bonding, being their their bromance developing, and you know, John getting together with Rodney and all of those shenanigans because we need shenanigans. I think that um, also when you're doing a, a big project like this that you would not want seriously, don't rewrite canon. No, it's so tedious. It's boring. You're going to lose interest in it. If the reader wants to watch canon, they can go to Amazon. They don't need you to tell them all about it. They can read the transcripts on GateWorld. I'm just saying. Because, I mean, when you have an impact on the episode... Yeah. yeah. And, and when you have an impact on the episodes and you know you want and you know you're going to change things, there is I, I understand the inclination to tell the reader how things have changed. But if it doesn't serve your plot and it's not very interesting, it's just it's better that it be a mention rather than an actual reshowing. You know? Mm -hmm. It really isn't gonna be a lot of fun. No, it'd be boring as hell. No one needs to be that bored. I mean, I've seen many a story that retells season one or of Stargate, and when you're making a, you're doing canon divergence, or when you're doing a fix it, 
that is about exploring those ripples, there is an inclination to just retell the whole season. But stepping through the, you know, I think it's more interesting to see the new events, to see, you know, new interactions rather than see a reimagining of the events we got on, in canon. Unless they are really significantly altered. I mean, if you're going to invest all this time in um, doing something like this, you know, do something new. Do something exciting. Uh, yeah, because that could be a lot more interesting to to write if you're let me do if you even if you did it episodically. Although I don't think I would, um, I really wouldn't have a need to have more than two or three points of view. But if if you were gonna like tell it, you could have like focus on the creation of the alpha site or um, have an episode where they're working on the beta site or just the episode where have have the, you know focus on the scenes where. Summoners having to deal with some of the shit that comes with leading the city, um, where he has to learn how to get along with the scientists more than he ever has before. Um, he could even complain about it in one of his own mission reports is that, you know, he never planned to be able to get along with scientists quite so well. Um, and he blames John. Yeah, I blame John. In so, fact, he should like end every mission report. And in the end, I blame John Shepard. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Shepard's at fault for this. Is it fault for what? I don't know. Something. Well, he could have let that queen eat you. So I guess he is at fault. He did something. Yeah, there is no history for Sumner, so it is a little bit of a blank slate in that regard. Um, well, of course it's John's fault. I mean, who else's fault could it possibly be? Well, I think that we're yeah. I think one of the first things that um, he would do would be like, this, it's your job to wrangle the scientists. As my XO, you are officially in charge of that. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Which means that McKay would be John's problem. Until, and here's this would be the kicker, until John started fucking Rodney, right? And then Sumner would be like, you know, the biggest problem with this is now I have to deal with him because I can't very well have you dealing with him. That's a complete conflict of interest. I can pretend that I don't, I'm not asking and you're not telling, but I can't pretend that you're not banging the guy, which means he's not my problem. And this is most definitely your fault. This is John's fault. And he'd be like, couldn't you gotten, you know, gotten a boner for someone a little lower in the chain of command? That would have been great. <laughs> Zelenka's cute. He is cute. He can say that too. Zelenka's cute. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he is, but he's not McKay. He's not got McKay's butt. Yeah, but he makes his own. He has a distillery. Well, that is that is alluring. A man who can brew his own alcohol is certainly appealing. But um, that is appealing, right? He's bringing nothing, the party. There's nothing wrong with Raddick's ass, but it's not McKay's ass, is the point. John wants McKay's ass, as you do, as one does. I feel like, in the end, because Sumner has more power than John in the expedition, um, that a lot of people live that, that would have died, uh, that did die under Weir's command. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it would make a huge difference in that regard. This is one of those times if we both started from the same prompt, 
that even though we would interpret some events a little bit differently and we certainly would have probably different character dynamics and obviously there'd be those differences that I think fundamentally we see things, how they progress about the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those storylines that might come out very similar. It would be. Though one thing I might do that you would probably not indulge in is I probably would let Weir be crazy for quite a while. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I, I think my tolerance for that would be a lot smaller than yours. <laughs> Julie doesn't like to have any fun. <laughs> There's something to be said for batshit crazy weird. So she could have batshit crazy weird being doing crazy stuff a lot longer than I would. It's like if she's not crazy, then what's her motivation? Um, uh, power? Control? The thing is, her motivation in canon is really weak. They don't explain it very well. It's like, why is she doing the shit that she's doing? They just don't really give you enough about her. And well, they paint her basically as a sociopath from the start. I mean, she left. She left the man she was going to marry a breakup video. Yeah. That he got after she was off the planet. Yep. Nice one, Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean, she was supposed to be, she was engaged to be married. Why did she choose to go on a one-way mission without her well, man? Well, it, I do believe that nobody who went on this that mission actually believed they wouldn't be coming home. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense that they would even put the mission together. They had to know it was potentially one way. But often in, in fan fiction, it's written like these people knew it was one way. Um. They knew it was, it was the- potentially one way, and she knew she'd be out of contact for a year. Yeah, um, but it, it wasn't like she was taking a suicide mission, which is a lot of times how it's written. Um, but she was taking a hike to another galaxy, and she left him a goodbye video, which is bullshit. I completely agree, but it's why'd she say yes to begin with? Why well, did clearly- she break up with him? Why? Well, this is curious. Why? Did she get him security clearance just so she could break up with him in that video? Yeah. That is so weird. When she could have dumped him and never mentioned anything about the mission. Which is what she should have done. But instead, she sought security clearance so she could dump him in a... That is... Well, we know that they did it so that she could... So they would have that moment in... um that episode where she goes back to see him. Um, they wanted that. I, I don't know. Would you call it the drama of the moment or something where, where she, she went to him and said, you know, have you, have you, have you, you have you thought about it? You know, are you going to come to Atlantis or whatever? Remember that? Vaguely. When they were back on earth, she went to see him to try to persuade him to go with her. I am remembering that correctly. Aren't I? Well, what I would say is if she really loved him, and this is probably what I would be thinking if I was him, bitch, if you really love me, you'd have asked me to go the first time. Yeah. You didn't love me. And if the IOA would get her security clearance to break up with him in a video, then I don't know why they couldn't have put him on the expedition. Well, they absolutely could have. It's just... It's just dumb. It's just dumb. It, it was the whole thing. It was just a dumb plot device, right? They wanted to have... They wanted to have the whole thing was about that moment when she goes back when they go back to oh, 
um, when they go back to do the thing, this is me being coherent. Um, when they go back to give their report and uh, report in, which also, by the way, speaking of dumb things in canon, all of the senior staff leave the city to right? go back and report to Earth and leave at the same time and leave somebody who's not a member of the expedition in charge. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm like, how are they all back on Earth? I mean, Someone I get who has it. no fucking experience with the Wraith, ancient technology, or the city. Okay. Like, sure. Why not? That makes sense. When I first saw that in the episode, I was like, how are the, how are the entire, all of the senior staff off the city right now with, with, with a three-week trip to get back if there's an emergency? Really? Yes, really. So, yeah, that happened those crazy motherfuckers it takes three four weeks to get for the data list to make the ship yeah it's like three yeah if there are no so, complications viruses problems episodes you know so if there's whatever. a problem on atlantis when atlantis is daily calling what are they going to do <laughs> oh well we Apparently know jazz hands <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we know we left you in charge out there but we you know we we weren't actually expecting you to have any problems out there in this alien galaxy, this other galaxy with aliens that eat you. We didn't think there were going to be any issues. It's just... It's stupid. <laughs> were, think about it. Were there any officers on the city at all? Were there were NCOs? Were there any commissioned officers? Because Ford's gone. John... Oh, there might be, I guess there's like a, probably a lieutenant running around. They left the city in Taylor's hands and a lieutenant. Well, that's not true. There's probably some of Everett's people that are still there. Yeah, probably. But they still left the, they still left the city in, in Taylor's hands, her, her in command. You know what's curious about Dumbledore taking that broom to London? That was a non sequitur. Well, it, it's in the chat room. It, said oh. it makes about as much sense as Dumbledore taking a broom to London. Do you ever once in the book see Dumbledore on a broom? No. You're trying to picture it. <laughs> I, I actually really don't want to picture it. it it's it's giving me brain burn. I, <laughs> he would have an epic case of broom hair. It's true. <laughs> I mean, you never once see him on a broom in the book. It's just that one reference to him taking a broom to London when he could have used the flu in his office and been there instantaneously. Did he just decide he wanted to take a broom ride that one time ever in the whole series of the books? I'm just saying. It's just, I, we just, I just gotta wonder why. It's like, why? <laughs> why? Why are you doing this to us? We did, what did we do to deserve these utterly it's bizarre so things? <laughs> it's so contrived. But I probably, I mean, if if Elizabeth Weir isn't being driven by insanity, then it's control, it's power, or she's trust. And then that boils back down to control, xenophobia, and power. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's, I see, actually, I see the point on that one, because if Dumbledore, if, <laughs> especially with the incontinence point, I don't know that a man his age should be writing a broom. I just, I, I feel like this this entire conversation just exceeded my boundaries. <laughs> you don't want to talk about Dumbledore's possibly enlarged prostate? Or his incontinence. No, I don't. 
Uh-huh. Okay, so ra- ra- let's let's wrap up on um, Marshall Sumner because that's a much more pleasant topic of conversation. Um, do you? Have, I, I feel like I, I feel like I've like yammered away endlessly on that. Do you? Do you have anything to add? <laughs> I don't. No, 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 no. Kira says I'm fucking done. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, so we're gonna end this podcast right here before you guys get out of hand and I have to start cussing people out. Uh, so um, I hope you guys have a fantastic week and week, and we shall catch you later. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>